Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Mainland Podcast, episode number 92. I am Michael Citro. And joining me is Tallahassee Dave Rowe. Dave, how are you? Oh, I'm doing Talafine. <laughs> so uh, I would like to say uh, right up front that um, we are not responsible for the results on Saturday, and uh, we will take no responsibility for them in uh, what I'm calling the doubleheader of sadness. It was pretty sad, <laughs> and uh, we're definitely not responsible in anyway uh not saying that we won't take responsibility if we get a win one day um you know even that if we're being honest we probably won't but definitely not a uh doubleheader of sadness yeah and the reason i call it the doubleheader of sadness uh, two pretty embarrassing losses uh the pride get their first home loss at the hands of a previously only two win houston dash team dead last in the nwsl and um and then, of course, the 4 nothing shellacking at the Chicago Fire uh, by Orlando City. And uh, both Orlando teams presenting their respective leagues with the Player of the Week. <laughs> as uh, Pauliana gets uh, NWSL Player of the Week and David Akam, of course, gets uh, MLS uh, Player of the Week. And hopefully uh, now European teams will come and buy David Akam because I'm pretty freaking tired of that guy. I'm extremely tired of Akam. He definitely seems to have our number whenever we play those guys. Um, I'm, it was like Kai Kamara a couple of years ago. You know, he always seemed to have a good game against us. Well, Akam always seems to have a great game. And um, like you, I am totally sick of it. Yeah, I'm not sure that he's a jerk, but I bet he is. I bet he's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, well, I always felt i always felt kai was kind of a jerk so you know yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go with you on that All one right. yeah kai definitely acts like a jerk i mean when he he walked across the uh the lion uh circle at, at center uh the center of the field last year when he uh came out on the pitch you know they had the big cloth in the middle of the mm-hmm. that covers the center circle with the lion logo on it and he just walked right across it and that was 
definitely intentional and definitely trying to be a jerk on purpose. So, uh, yeah, Kai Kamara is a jerk. And I bet a com is a jerk, too. Um, but I don't know that for a fact. So I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to make the claim that he is. I'm just saying I, I bet he is. Um, you, you would take that bet if you were in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I never bet when I'm in Vegas, so I don't know if I would take that bet. Um, okay, Dave, so uh, let's dive right in to the week's uh, action, I want to call it, uh, a little bit. Uh, the doubleheader of Sadness, of course, started out with the Pride and the Dash, and the Pride started uh, very brightly uh, in that contest, uh, very getting forward a lot and, and getting chances and uh, a great header by Marta that was saved off the crossbar that could have put the, the hosts up 1-0. And then, of course, it was an afternoon game and uh, they had that water break at 30 minutes. And from that time on, it was, I won't say it was all Houston because the Dash didn't get forward that many times and didn't get that many great opportunities. But the Pride could do nothing right after that. They couldn't. They couldn't string passes together. It's funny because I think they actually had a slightly higher uh, passing accuracy uh, than the dash on the day, but it was certainly noticeable how many passes in the final third went uh, badly wrong and and how many times there were cross, you know, just crossing the field, switch and play, and were way offline and it would go out out for a a throw in. It was just a a day that the pride lacked a lot of sharpness. Yeah, and... I don't know what they put in the water, but um, they need to do a the, whoever the water boy is needs to do a better job, okay? Because uh, that that seemed to take everything out of us and put it right into the dash. It's never easy when you've got to play a team, you know, two times in a row. Uh, they, of course, would be we're looking for revenge, uh, you know, from the previous week. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of wasted opportunities um, for the Pride in that match, especially early on when they they did did seem to be on the front foot and did seem to be. Uh, um, you know, any second, you know, going to get that goal uh, that would, you know, take take them up, uh, you know, put them in lead and, and allow them to, uh, you know, dominate the game uh, for the rest of the uh, afternoon. But uh, for whatever reason, they just could not seem to finish. Um, you know, of course, on Lloyd's shot uh, on her goal, well, from, you know, outside the box like that, she's one of the, probably the best in the world at those long distance shots. Um you know, it's you, you love it when she does it for the national team. You hate it when she does it against the pride. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, I'm not sure there's that's that's one of those. And it's one of the reasons why, like I say, she is one of the best in the world. I mean, there's very little you can do to stop that. Um, I did like uh, the defensive effort at one point, at least with uh, Catley getting that um, that clearance uh, off the, the line in front of goal. Uh, I think it was 42nd minute when they uh, chipped the ball over Bledsoe. That that was a good highlight. Yeah, and that was uh, Pollyanna. That was the the player of the week in the NWSL. And, and Steph Catley was quick to point out when asked about it in the post game that that was her player she was supposed to be marking. So she felt like she had to get back and prevent that goal because it was her player that was uh, that got in behind and took the shot. So uh, she did well on that one, but uh, obviously. Um, you know, uh, Pollyanna was a problem uh, throughout the day, and Andressa was a problem, and, and obviously uh, Carly Lloyd was a problem on that one particular shot. That was, uh, she was just given too much time and room. It wasn't quite what, uh, you know, Camilla had done uh, the week before uh, from that kind of distance, but it's still a place where Carly Lloyd's going to score from more often than not if you give her that kind of time and room at the top of the box. The problem was 
It was in the last minute of first half stoppage time. And uh, that was a very deflating goal uh, to be giving up in that spot because at that con- at that time it was kind of against the run of play. I mean, Houston had started to come into the game a little more after the after the water break at 30 minutes. So it was only 15 minutes more until halftime, really, when they started back up. And, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of time for Houston to create a lot of chances, but they got that one. Uh, certainly, and that was that was a, pa- a painful one because uh, it, you know you never want to give up a goal at the death of the half like that because it just is a huge momentum boost for the other team and and certainly they rode that into the second half and 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 uh, Orlando Pride as we said didn't didn't uh, take their chances Rachel Hill had a ball fall perfectly for her in the box and uh, shot it right at the keeper and uh, Camilla had a chance from the top of the box where she got forward and. And just uh, didn't get anything on her shot. Just rolled an easy one uh, for Jane Campbell to scoop up. And, and of course, the Marta chance, which uh, Campbell just kind of threw a desperation hand up and got a hand on it and knocked it against the bar. And it bounced way up in the air. And uh, Campbell got up and was able to recover before uh, Orlando Pride players, two different Orlando Pride players, could crash the, the net and uh, put it in. So just a, a rough day. For the pride, nobody really seemed to have an answer. Tom Sermani, Ali Krieger, Steph Catley, nobody really knew why they didn't play well. But, you know, credit to the Dash for uh, ver- being very organized because they've had a very porous defense this year. But they did play very organized on defense and um, very compact between the three lines. It was very difficult to get uh, to break through and, and get any kind of chances, especially after that first water break. Yeah, and yeah, it's, I mean, Sermani almost cleared the bench after that, just trying to find any kind of solution, you know, to uh, get back in the game. And it just, it wasn't to be uh, on that day. It it was one of those days where uh, it seems no matter what you do, you're not going to find the back of the neck, especially when, like you said, I mean, a desperation hand up on that, on that Marta uh, shot and you still don't get anything. So I'm not sure. Barring, uh, you know, I, I don't think it was bad luck, but barring, you know, chances not dropping, I'm not sure what else, you know, they could have done. They they didn't play bad, and, and like you said, the Dash weren't, you know, dominating time of position or anything like that either. It just kind of fell the way it did. Yeah, just lack of sharpness on the Pride's part. I mean, just not not connecting on the types of passes that they normally do, and, and even, even Marta and Camilla uh, didn't connect very well. Uh, at times it was just um, one of those games where you have every now and then and that's that's kind of how Tom Sermani said he was going to look at it it's like he expects the team to be back uh, where they were the week before you know that they were coming off a couple of wins and uh, they uh, you know obviously were hopeful that that would be a, another victory to take with them they're going to play at Sky Blue which is a place that is very difficult uh, for the away team to win. As Sky Blue is a very good team, third place in the NWSL right now. They've got Samantha Kerr, and um, you know they're they're a pretty tough team to play, and and it's uh, it's going to be a battle. I'm hoping that uh, the you know the loss that maybe shouldn't have been, or the you know the it happens every once in a while loss. Uh, it's maybe a bit of a motivator for <clears throat> the pride as they head up to sky blue and, um, you know, that they can 
find that uh, find the back of the net for you know for every chance that didn't go in this this last game. Um, you know, we get some breaks that go our way this time, and and uh, you know that header goes in or that you know shot from Camilla goes in. Uh, you know, she gets a little bit on, more on it. So that would that's my hope for going going into that game. Yeah, I was uh, kind of a little bit surprised that uh, Tom didn't bring Choma Abogagu in, the former uh, Houston Dash player, maybe uh, get some revenge on her her ex-teammates. But uh, she was not the option off the bench. Came in with uh, Jamia Fields, Maddie Evans, and um, Danica Evans to try to generate something in the second half. But all we got was a counter-attack goal by Rachel Daly uh, the other direction, and that was a, a bit unfortunate. It was only seconds before that. Jasmine Spencer was uh, penalized for a foul. It would have been, I think, a pride throw-in at that point. Uh, she got called for a foul, which honestly was a, a very average, normal shoulder-to-shoulder challenge. And uh, the other player actually initiated the contact. It was kind of hard to figure out why Spencer was called for a foul on that. But uh, instead of a throw-in, you know, it ends up uh, with Houston, and Houston ends up coming down and scoring a goal off of it uh, just a, a few seconds later. So it's kind of, uh, it's hard to say what would have happened on a throw in. Uh, it could have been a turnover and it still could have been a counter attack goal, but um, you know, just a little bit of a misfortune there on a, on a call that uh, may have had a little to do with the second goal. Right. And you know, it's, I, when you look at that call, I, I chalk it up to it's just, it was just that kind of day for the pride. Um, that, you know, the, the shots are going to go against you and the calls are going to go against you. Yeah. So anyway, they'll try to regroup at Sky Blue and then they're going to be uh, back in action uh, on Saturday at home. And again, another uh, late afternoon affair as part of a doubleheader with OCB. They're going to be hosting the Chicago Red Stars. So two of the top few teams in NWS, two of the teams above the playoff line uh, up next for uh, the Pride. And the Pride has to play uh the Chicago Red Stars three times in like the next month or so. So uh, this is a very crucial situation for the pride. And obviously they're going to want to get Alex Morgan back as soon as possible. Uh, we're thinking probably the second game of July would be the, the would be about right in terms of the recovery. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course it could be, it could be sooner than that, but could be later than that. We'll just have to see because you know, there's no, there's no set time for a hamstring to recover. No, and, and like I say, I mean, getting her back uh, as soon as possible, as long as it's uh, the right time. You know, you don't want her to come back too early, aggravate that, you know, the hamstring, and then, you know, we're without her for even longer. I would rather, you know, hold off until, you know, second game or even the second, you know, or the second half of the second game, um, if, if need be, just to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, she's good to go. Um, it will be important having her back, like you said. I mean, July is, is – looks like a, a pretty crazy month for the pride. So, um, you know, having her back and in, in, I'm sure the energy she's going to bring, uh, cause I know she's going to be excited to be back. Um, and then, you know, we've been talking about it, you know, all, all year, the, you know, finally getting to see, uh, Alex and Marta play together. And, um, and, and now, I mean, honestly, we, you know, we can put Camilla in there and that, that little grouping too. And, and Jasmine, I mean, there's, there's a ton of talent on that team and, and there's no reason to think that they can't make a good run of it. Um, you know, especially with, you know, more home games and all that, but July, July will be interesting. Yeah. The schedule definitely is favorable for the pride, the second half of the season. So, uh, they just have to get back to where they were and, and maybe even a little bit uh, above where they were since they'll have 
uh, a healthy Alex Morgan uh, in the near future. So got to look out. Uh, got to look out right now for uh, Sam Kerr and Maya Hayes, who have uh, tortured the uh, the Pride before for uh, for Sky Blue, and also they have Sarah Killian, who is uh, tied with Marta and Megan Rapinoe for the league leading goals with five. So uh, there's a lot of talent. Raquel Rodriguez, another uh, talented player. Uh, out of Penn State, uh, second-year player, I believe. And, um, you know, just a a really solid Sky Blue team that, you know, when you think of the top teams in NWSL, they don't really leap to your mind. You think of Chicago, you think of Seattle and Portland. um, You think of North Carolina, obviously, because they won the championship last year as the Western New York Flash. But you don't think necessarily about Sky Blue, but they definitely have a solid lineup. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's a tough place to play, so um, you, you can't overlook them. I, I, I do go back to just thinking that, um, you know, having that loss, you know, coming off that loss, I think that that will be a, uh, a motivating factor mm-hmm. uh, for them, you know, going into that game. I think they're going to want to, you know, prove that that was just one of those weird things that happened and that the, the progress and the, um, you know, the good form that we've been seeing of them of late is uh, the norm. Mm-hmm. And that was just an outlier. So, uh, you know, I mean, We'll have to see. Like I say, it's a tough place to play, but um, I, I feel I, – I mean, I felt pretty good about the, the second dash game, but, you know, uh, look what happened. So, yeah. Well, you never know what can happen. I mean, I think uh, nobody expected uh, the Pride to go to Seattle uh, in the form they were in and get a point, especially after Ashlyn Harris went down. So you never really know what can happen. And uh, so the Pride will be looking to take something from that game Wednesday to bring home for uh, for the Chicago match on uh, Saturday. So we'll see what happens with Tom Sermani's group. And, uh, again, a formidable opponent on Saturday with the likes of uh, Julie Johnston-Ertz and, um, uh, of course, uh, Kristen Press and, um, you know, just a really good, solid uh, Chicago Red Stars team. So uh, the other half of the doubleheader of sadness was, of course, Orlando City. At the Chicago Fire. And uh, Dave, I don't know about you, but I was really surprised to see a, you know, a squad that really didn't have that much turnover from the Wednesday night game at Seattle Sounders. Yeah, I mean, you even talked about it, um, you know, in the preview uh, last week uh, where, you know, you mentioned that you expected uh, some some lineup changes to try and keep, you know, people fresh and um, it that that didn't happen. And I'm not sure, you know, what coach Christ was thinking mm-hmm. about but um you could tell they were fairly tired and listless um uh even Kaka was sloppy with his passes um you know and, and of course you know he's not necessarily want to do that all the time um right now and they then, took Giles Barnes out and and uh, they took him off early in the Seattle game but he didn't uh he didn't play he didn't start the game at, at uh, Chicago it was Kaka up top with Carlos Rivas, which was mm-hmm. odd. We haven't seen Kaká up top in, in the 4-4-2 as a striker. Nope. Um, he, I don't think he was very effective in that role, but it's kind of hard to fault him when no one could get the ball up the field because it was basically constantly coming at Joe Bendick uh, all game long. The uh, the other thing is uh, Matias Perez-Garcia came off early and didn't start as well. Uh, Will Johnson was in the lineup. Um, you don't normally see Kaká back-to-back road games uh, three games in eight days kind of thing, uh, being in the lineup twice in a row like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was a little bit surprising that we didn't see a little more turnover. And the back line, was there wasn't much turnover there. The PC came on for Toya, uh, but Scott Sutter got the start again, and, and Redding and, and Spectre. And it was just, uh, 
you know, it started off like, you know, a normal game. And then all of a sudden, three minutes in, a comm scores on a, you know, just kind of out of, out of nowhere, you know, Polster gets down to right, puts in a cross, and it just, you know, nice little back heel deflection from from uh, a comm, which, I mean, Bendik just didn't catch the, the movement. If he catches it, he probably can make that save, and, and mm-hmm. you know, we go from there. But uh, you follow behind that early on a long, grueling trip like that, it's got to take a lot out of you. And then before you knew it, five minutes later was another one as he just streaked behind the defense, beat the, uh, it just a perfectly timed ball. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, he just made a run. The, the ball was uh, perfectly placed at the right time. And, and uh, the, the center backs, you know, might on another night be a little bit sharper and be alert to that danger. But uh, before you know it, you're down two nil and you're chasing the game, you're already tired and it's just not going to be your night. And then it wasn't. And, uh, you know, they they added another couple of goals and, you know, it looked almost like Orlando City could take a little bit of consolation out of the game uh, late and Rivas getting forward and get stomped on by Matt Lampson. And there's no call at all. I mean, there's he's the last defender. Clearly, Rivas is going to win the race to that ball and just tuck it into an empty net. But there's just nothing. There's no you know, first of all, you either have to call the foul on Lampson or you have to you have to book Rivas for diving. Because it can't be right. It's got to be one or the other. It can't, you know, it can't be nothing in that situation. Yeah. And it, like you said, incredibly frustrating because, okay, we knew that, yeah, you're going to lose the game, but you know, you see that happen and you're immediately looking for the call and go, okay, hey, great. You know, maybe we can grab one back, at least help a little bit with goal differential, whatever. But uh, the no call, I, you know, I had I had friends over watching the game, and I mean, everybody was just, uh, you know, mouths were agape and eyes were wide because they could, couldn't figure out how that, how that, how we weren't getting the, <laughs> how we weren't getting the kick out of that. So um, it was, that was incredibly frustrating. And I'm sure I know it was incredibly frustrating for Carlos. Um, for sure, yeah. It was, and then, it, you, you know, know, you could see it clearly on the on the replay that he was stepped on and and. Yep. And obviously uh, having to be helped off the field. And obviously Orlando City had made its three substitutions. So I had to finish the game, adding insult to injury with 10 men uh, just mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks after going up against Chicago with only nine men. And it was um, it was tough. And Rivas, we uh, we feared it could be a pretty nasty injury as it stands. He's being listed as day to day. I'd kind of be surprised if he dressed on Saturday or I'm sorry, on Friday against Real Salt Lake. Because it seems a little soon, but um, uh, you know, it's nice to know day to day is much better than uh, being out a month or six weeks or whatever. Yeah, and um, you know, with the lack of offensive firepower that you know has been the, the sadly the norm a little bit recently, uh, losing Carlos would would not be helpful. Um, you know, we're going we're going to get Kyle back, and we're going to talk about it a little later, but. Um, um, yeah, I like you. I don't expect him to to dress out for for Friday, but he should. I, I would anticipate he'll be back uh, the game after that. All right. So it's really difficult to select a man of the match for a game like that. But who was your Orlando City man of the match? Um. Well, my man of the match. I'm going to say uh, here is different than the one that I voted in the online poll. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody voted for liquor cabinet in that one, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me, no, it was. It has to be Tommy Redding. Um, you know, I, um, he had some breakdowns just like everybody else did. But I also, 
Um, you know, he stood out on some plays that uh, he had some good clearances, and I, I just felt that, uh, you know, he was he did a good job most of the night of being on the ball um, and and you know staking out his territory. So um, and and I say that because. As I'm watching the game, you know, you're, you're making the little notes in your head about everybody. And, and I remember saying to myself, you know, that was a good one from Tommy. And there's another good one. And it, it just kind of added up in my head. So I'm going with Redding. Yeah, Tommy had a pretty good game overall. Did make some mistakes. But I think he did more things right than most players. Um, I thought also Antonio Nocherino had a really strong game. I think he completed about 95% of his passes. Uh, was very solid defensively. And, uh, you know, really hustled all night. Was one of the few players that you could noticeably tell was busting his tail. And, Mm -hmm. again, he's another one of those guys who's who's getting up there in age but still played after playing 90 minutes in Seattle. So, uh, you know, kudos to him for having a great game like that. But I I picked my man of the match was a guy who brought a spark in off the bench and – as a real surprise, and that's Richie Larea. He came in and he was he was very active right from the get go, and and I thought that he brought some good things and some good energy to the team. And you know certainly the team was lacking energy, being behind <laughs> as as badly as they were. But uh, he was one of those guys that just came out and sort of um, you know was a little bit infectious. I think he got a, a couple other guys going once he came on. Guys like uh, Matias Perez Garcia, and and I think mm-hmm. I think he re-energized uh, Carlos Rivas to some extent as well when he came on. Well, it's uh, it's hard to argue against that. Um, you know, it's it's nice to see the youngster uh, developing and contributing. Um, you know, especially since we haven't had uh, Kyle there, it's uh, you enjoy watching him. You know, be be that motivating factor on the field, be that that spark plug, that you know, whatever you want to call it, that uh, you know just the bringing that energy and, and getting the other people around him to, you know, to step up. And if, if we can have that from him off the bench, you know, the rest of the year, that kind of, um, that energy, uh, especially when other legs are tired, um, that could, that could be very helpful. Um, you know, especially, uh, as, as the season grinds on and, and, you know, people are more tired overall. Yeah, it was a good, good game for Richie. I thought I think he only had like six or eight passes, but I don't think he had a single incomplete pass. It was really good, uh, really good debut, really good MLS debut for the youngster. And it's nice to see Orlando City get some minutes from a, a former first-round uh, draft pick. Um, okay, so, you know, we touched on it already, but just today as we record this, which is uh, Tuesday, this will drop on Wednesday the 28th, but as we record this the night before, uh, we heard today that Kyle Lahren has been cleared uh, by the uh, by MLS to to return to team activities and that includes games. So I guess the question is, after sitting out 12 days, can he get on the field Friday? Especially considering that uh, Carlos Rivas is probably going to be unavailable. I'm almost certain that he's going to see the field. Now whether he starts or not, that's a different question. But um, you know, it, like we said, with the possibility of Carlos out um, and the fact that. You know, Laren's going to be wanting to prove something. Um, you know, he's going to want to come out and uh, kind of make up for the, uh, the the mistake that he made in in outside of the outside of the stadium. Um, so I think you're going to see him being very motivated, probably very team oriented. I think you're going to see a lot of hustle out of him. Um, you know, yeah, we've missed him for 12 days, but um, I don't know. I, I've I've got a 
fairly good feeling of him coming back from that. I think that uh, he's the kind of guy that's going to take that experience and, and try and make himself uh, better from it. And I, I honestly think that might help him you know, when he does hit the field. Yeah, I think Kyle will definitely play like he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's got something to prove. I, I think if you would have tell, told me, you know, someone on Orlando City got a DUI, I might have guessed every single player before Kyle Laren. Like, if, if I didn't know who <laughs> right. it was. You know, I mean, he just well, didn't seem like that kind of a personality. And uh, I'm sure this is, I mean, it was a mistake. Yeah, it was a it was a, a thing he shouldn't have done. I'm not, you know, no one is going to excuse that. And you know, we've talked about it before. It just, it's just, we have to look at this. Like he did something wrong. He made a mistake. He obviously didn't plan it because anybody that would have, <laughs> would have planned to go out would have uh, obviously tried to make some type of arrangements ahead of time. Um, it just happened. It was one of those things. He exercised very poor judgment and some people could have gotten hurt or worse. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, I'm not one of these guys who are, who are like, you know, advocating for, we should just cut him immediately. You know, because number one, that's dumb. Then you got an asset you get nothing for, and you know you're just cutting off your nose to spite your face. But the the other thing is, I'm always a guy who thinks that if people make a mistake, you know, you need to try to give them a chance to redeem themselves. You know, until they become a problem and show that this is is not something they're learning from. And uh, you know, obviously, I'm not I'm not going to extend that to to crimes that are are far more um, you know vicious and savage. But, um, you know, this is a crime. He's, he's going to pay the price for it. He's going to pay whatever the penalties are that are handed down, and he's going to go through the legal system on that. He's obviously already going through the MLS system, uh, and I think that he's, he's a guy that will learn from this and will and come out on top uh, in the end. Well, we know he won't be driving for a little while anyway because uh, when that happens, they take that license away. So, uh, um you know, he, he won't be doing that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he's young. I mean, we, you know, we forget, I mean, man's only 22 years old. Um, and for anybody calling for their head, I mean, uh, think back to when you were 22 years old, some of the stupid stuff that you did. Um, cause I, I know I did. Heck, I still I, do I, stupid stuff. I was going to say I do stupid, stupid <laughs> stuff, you know, probably earlier today, but you know, um, certainly when I was 20 or 22 years old. So, you know, the, people need to be a little bit more realistic and, and, you know, if you're calling for him to, to leave, like you said, okay, one, you're, you're throwing away money and, you know, while, you know, the main focus of this was, um, you know, he did the crime he's, and he's going to have to pay for it. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ultimately, you know, what this podcast is about is Orlando City soccer. And what's good for Orlando City soccer is to try and uh, allow Kyle to, to, you know, learn and grow from this as a man and as a player and, and hope that it ultimately helps him mm-hmm. and, and by effect helps the team. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's – I think he's the kind of guy that can – can take this and, and, and indeed make himself uh, a better person from it, uh, learn from it and, you know, move forward. I mean, you know, he's going to be doing community service, you know, because of this, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, when he gets out there and is, is doing that and meeting with the, you know, I'm anticipating some sort of, uh, you know, meeting with the public and, and talking to, to young kids and, and whatnot about the, the dangers, uh, you know, that, that may, 
give him some perspective as well. So uh, I, I, I think it, it's a horrible situation. You know, we all wish it, it wouldn't happen. We're glad that nobody was, you know, seriously hurt. And I, I think he'll, I think he'll make the most of it going forward. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how he responds to it and and how. Uh, his teammates support him, and, and if that if it ends up being something they can rally around, or if or if it you know gets in his head and, and messes him up, well, I mean it could go either way, but we'll we'll have to watch and see, and that's uh, that's what we do here. We watch a lot of soccer. Um, yeah. Okay, so OCB on the other hand, they they just did not do what uh, the the Lions and the Pride did. They went out and they won their game. They went to Rochester at which uh, no team had won at Rochester this year except the Rhinos themselves. And uh, OCB went in there, got a, a goal from Timbo. Uh, would not have pegged a goal from Timbo. <laughs> if there was a goal from Timbo on the bingo card for OCB, I probably would not have anticipated crossing that space off, uh, you know, and getting my bingo. But, uh, you know, a fantastic uh, dribble drive by uh, Pierre De Silva over, up the left side made a nice move to get inside and uh, just put a ball across the six yard box that anybody just had to touch. And Timbo just happened to be the guy to touch it. So uh, Timbo gets his first uh, goal for Orlando City B and uh, the, the young Lions go on to defend very desperately over the course of the second half and uh, win the game one nothing, becoming the first team to leave uh, with a victory, leave Rochester with a victory uh, uh, this season. So a uh, nice one for Anthony Pulis, and it's good to see. You know, we've seen OCB, you know, drop points that we probably thought they shouldn't have dropped, and then they go up and they get three that they, we didn't expect them to get. So that's that's a nice recovery, and, and hopefully they can come home and um, play uh, Cincinnati and get some points this weekend after Cincinnati's going to have to play a U.S. Open Cup game in the midweek. T-I-M-B-O and Timbo is his name. Oh, I mean, come on. How did you not see that coming on the bingo card? Timbo, bingo. It, it, it just works. No, uh, good for him. Uh, I thought that De Silva was fantastic all game, um, you know, creating chances, actually making some guys look silly. I mean, he went around on that goal that you're talking about. I mean, he went around two or three guys just to get the cross off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he, he looked really, uh, good all night. Um, the defense, I mean, they did a, a great job of defending. Um, but even then, I mean, later on, I mean, Dequa had that, that shot that hit the crossbar in the 43rd you know, minute. So it wasn't like they were, they, they'd given up completely. Now, right. They did park the bus later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, Dequa had a, a very good opportunity. It was, it was funny because he was in deep and he had he was really l- desperately looking for someone to cross the ball into and he couldn't find a, a, a path uh, to put the ball into a teammate. So he just you know turned and just slammed it at the goal and, and just was inches from scoring from a really severe angle. Hit the crossbar and stayed out. And uh, the crossbar might still be shaking up there uh, yeah, as right. hard as he hit it. But anyway, um, um yeah, big win for OCB. It's uh, it's it's good. You know, you're going to have a tired Cincinnati team coming in. They're going to have to throw uh, everything they can at the Chicago Fire uh, this week uh, in the U.S. Open Cup. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll they'll come in a little bit worn down and maybe uh, Orlando City B can get a, a win like they did in Cincinnati. So it would be a, a nice uh, a nice uh, feather in their cap to get that one. And, uh, you know, I have to say, as as the, uh, the founder and managing editor of the mainland, I do want to... Uh, uh, just reach out to, to every listener out there and just say that I'm here for you. 
I, I, I'm here for you. I apologize for Dave singing. I'm hoping it will never happen again. <laughs> but uh, you you're know. the one that brought up bingo, dang it. Uh, yeah, but you didn't hear me singing. That's 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 not I know, something I, I did. All right. So uh, I think we've talked about all of the teams and all of the games. And uh, now it's time to look ahead to a, a few other things before we get to this week's guest. One of those things is that the... The Gold Cup 23-man uh, rosters came out this week, Dave, and um, there was no Joe Bendick. There was no Jonathan Spector. In addition, Kyle Laren was left off. We kind of expected that in light of what was going on, but also Will Johnson was not on Canada's team. So Orlando City gets to keep all of its players uh, during the Gold Cup, although there's, there's, uh, there's, you know, there wouldn't. There wasn't going to be a lot of games while the Gold Cup was going on, but there were going to be a few. So now Orlando City gets to keep uh, its full strength uh, by not giving up Bendix, Specter, Johnson, or Laren. And uh, although after the group stage, you know, each team has the opportunity to swap six players from the 40-man roster in for players who may be injured or uh, under a yellow card suspension or that kind of thing. So there's still a chance those guys could get caps in the Gold Cup, but it doesn't look like any of those four are going to participate. Uh, if if Canada gets through, I, I think Laren is the best chance of the four to get a call up. Yeah, you know, it was pretty obvious with everything that happened with Kyle that, uh, you know, he wasn't going to uh, get the call, up, uh, you know, for the initial, uh, for the 23-man roster. Um, like you said, if they get through the group stage, they can, you know, pick up uh, – get six, uh, you know, swap out six guys, um, you know, depending on, you know, what they do, that would be the one that, you know, you would expect. I don't, uh, given the position, how deep they are, uh, switching to the U.S., how deep they are um, on uh, center backs, I, I don't think that Spectre would would see any action. Um, we are pretty deep on goalie as well, so I'm not expecting Joe. Not that I don't think that either of them are as good or better as the people that did make the squad but um you know i am simply going to i'm going to feel momentarily bad that that they didn't get the call up and then feel really good that they get to play for club if they don't get to play for country because um, that's that's just going to help uh that's going to help orlando city having having you know i mean bendick inspector or uh, quite a bit of uh, the defensive power right now for uh, Orlando City, and then um, you know with Kyle coming back, if if we we're not missing him again, which we you know we've been missing him now for you know a little bit, um, and of course Will Johnson being you know the the heart of that uh, uh, the backside of the midfield, so um, it's like I said, I, I feel momentarily bad for them as, as individuals, but I feel really good for the team uh, that it kind of played out that way for us. Yeah. I would have to say in my opinion, that specter might be the least expendable player on Orlando city right now. So, uh, yeah. uh, you know, Bendick is as good as he is. I think Johnson may actually also be just as, as a, you know, as much of a guy who's uh, not expendable. And, um, mm -hmm. so we, we need to have those guys around, especially, you know, I think Bendick's done a good job and I think there's some, I know that I've seen some concerns about, well, people don't want to see Josh Saunders cause he played them the one game and didn't have a great game. But I mean, obviously he's been around a while and he's a guy who, if he's playing more regularly, he's going to be, he's going to be okay. So yeah, I think, and, and of course I'm, I'm also pretty, 
you know, I'm pretty confident that Earl Edwards Jr. could do a good job for Orlando City. I don't think his distribution skills are quite there, but I think he's as, as a shot stopper, I think he's he's pretty solid. So I, I'm okay with Orlando City's goalkeeper depth, but I don't think you can lose a Spectre. Uh, I think you could you could lose Johnson's skills, but I don't think you can lose his leadership. I think his leadership is very important to this team. So anyway, we don't have to lose any of that. We got our cake and we eat it too. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, okay, before we get to our guests, one more thing I want to talk about is the the, the big double header on Saturday. It's the first of two Pride OCB double headers, Dave. Uh, what do you think of this idea? Um, I you know I like it because uh, it's if if you you're giving people more for their money kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. So um, and it's you want to raise the awareness. You want to you know get the fans out. I. I I don't see anything wrong. I think it's, uh, I think it's a good idea. And, you know, the only thing I don't like is, you know, not being, you know, being four hours away and having to work. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And then, you know, the pride have to play at five, which is still going to be pretty hot. Um, and then the OCB will play at, at, uh, Here's what I'm thinking. Here's, we haven't had a lightning delay yet this, uh, this season. So I'm thinking ah. this is probably the week to have it because that, you know, it's going to screw everything up when you have two games going on. Um, that, that would be, you know, just our luck, but, uh, hopefully that won't happen and, and we'll, we'll get both games in and, and both will be victorious. Hopefully that'd be really great. And I think, uh, I've, the other thing too, that I wanted to mention, we don't have to get too deep into it, but the cool thing is Orlando city next year uh, for people that are renewing their season tickets, you get OCB season tickets as part of that. So that's a pretty cool thing to, to try to get a few more people in the seats to see uh, what is actually uh, – I'm really surprised that with the B team in town – I know a lot of people aren't into necessarily minor league sports or the reserves or however they perceive this. But, you know, there are USL fans in this town, and I'm a little bit surprised that attendance hasn't been higher since they moved back to Orlando just because – these guys are the future of Orlando City, and and there's some pretty exciting young players to go look at. And, and, and they're so. actually really, I mean, I as I, I usually watch, uh, you know, on on the YouTubes, yeah. and um, they're oftentimes very fun to watch. You know, like you said, there's some guys, you know, out there. You know, we mentioned Pierre De Silva earlier, and and you know the excitement and the creativity he brings. So, and of course, uh, Earl Edwards is, I think, is you know, probably one of the better goalies in USL. Um, I think he's doing a fantastic job. Um, yeah, Rich, not only... Richie Larea has been having a great uh, year down yep. there, and he's been fun to watch. Albert Deke has been fun to watch. Haji Berry is a guy who, you know, a lot of people have seen his name on the team sheet, but he hasn't been getting in games, so they don't really know much about him. But he's been he's been uh, exciting, and I think there's there's quite a bit to be excited about with OCB, and I would really like to see. People going to see. It. I know it's a lot when you're already shelling out for Orlando City MLS tickets to, to go, but you know OCB tickets are, are not that expensive either. So, you know it, it's you know just go to Starbucks once or twice less a week and <laughs> go see OCB play. Absolutely, and like I say, they they are fun to watch, and and you know anytime you can get in, in, in into the Orlando City Stadium to watch any kind of soccer match that's going to be a fun time mm-hmm. especially if it's if it's watching like you said those those young the future of orlando city soccer is those guys there so uh, uh, you know once again i'm my only complaint is i'm four hours away so if there's eighteen thousand season ticket holders and let's say only 
1,500 of them decide to take up uh, the OCB, you know, go see the OCB game on any given game day, that's going to more than double the attendance of the OCB games that where they're, what they're drawing now. So it's, it's really a big help. So I, I plus, you know, the, 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 the team is going to sell more merchandise. They're going to sell more uh, mm-hmm. concessions. They're going to be able to make some more money uh, yeah. that way. So I think it's a good move. Um, I think that if people that want the USL tickets and, and don't want to shell out for MLS season tickets can still do that. But you know, now you're giving the MLS uh, people a little bit more bang for their buck, which is always a good thing because people always complain about how they're getting ripped off by these teams. <laughs> but it's just what pro sports is. I mean, it's just that's just the way it is. I mean, try being a NASCAR fan if you think this is bad. Um, anyway, uh, so... I think that wraps up a lot of topics from this past week. We're going to start to look ahead. And, uh, of course, Orlando City visits Real Salt Lake for the second time in three years uh, coming up this Friday night. The first time they went out there was a 4th of July match in 2015 where Kaká got sent off, of all people. Um, But uh, neither team has gotten the upper hand in this series. Uh, A pair of games against each other and a pair of draws. And uh, we'll see if anybody can get the upper hand. And... uh, a little bit earlier, I spoke with uh, Real Salt Lake blogger Matt Montgomery. He's the editor over at RSL Soapbox, the SB Nation uh, blog that covers Real Salt Lake and Real Monarchs. And, uh, you know, why don't we get to that interview? Uh, actually, it wasn't so much of an interview as a conversation. We'll get to that right after this. All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast is Matthew Montgomery, the editor of RSL Soapbox. That is the SB Nation website uh, that uh, covers all things Real Salt Lake. Uh, Matt, how's it going? Yeah, things are a little mixed here in Salt Lake City with Real Salt Lake, but uh, personally, things are going just fine. So Outstanding. Couldn't, can't ask for more than that. <laughs> That's good. I was... Uh, well, probably not close by recently, but I recently just uh, took a trip to visit my in-laws in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I was at least in the uh, in the general vicinity of you uh, in the recent past, and uh, it was really, really hot out that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it doesn't get quite that hot in Salt Lake. We're we're sitting around 100 degrees the last few days, so it's it's miserable, but it could be more miserable, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Um, 118 when we were trying to take off and the uh, pilot had to delay uh, fueling the plane uh, till the last possible second to, to be safe. So um, that was fun. That was a new experience for me. Uh, so I wanted to just start out uh, by asking you, obviously it's it's not gone well for Real Salt Lake this year uh, with the coaching change. We went through that last year here in Orlando. Um just give me a, your perspective on the season so far for uh, RSL and uh, and what sort of you guys have endured uh, to this point. Yeah, you know, saying it's been unusual, I think, is an understatement for us. Uh, obviously, and, and we're obviously going to refer back to Jason Kreis here because of the importance he has to Reyasa Lake, uh, and, and that continues, and no one's surprised by that. Uh but we had un, under him, we had a long period of consistency, and even when we weren't always winning, we we looked like Real Salt Lake. And the issue we've seen across all of 2017, I'd argue, is just not looking particularly like Real Salt Lake. Uh, 
And, and that's not to say that our identity couldn't change and shouldn't change and doesn't change over time, because those things are inevitable. Uh, but we were always a side under Jason Christ that had a lot of identity. And, and under Jeff Cassar at the beginning of the year, our identity had continued to fade. And under Mike Petke, uh, we are, I think, and maybe I'm being overly optimistic here, starting to establish a new identity. Uh, obviously, that came with some very tricky, rough transitions. Uh, we conceded, what, nine, ten goals in Texas uh, over two games. Um, we scored one. Uh, it wasn't wasn't good. Uh, we continue to be bad on the road. We went to Sacramento Republic, a USL team, uh, and lost, was it 4-1, 5-1? They all kind of blend together now. Um, <laughs> and so we're in this awkward position of, of knowing that we are starting to establish an identity and still sometimes losing by significant margins, week in, week out. Well, I want to point uh, out and, that when I when I laugh, I'm I'm not laughing at you. I, I can commiserate as a uh, a fan of a team that went to Houston and lost four nil, and uh, also lost a U.S. Uh, Open Cup uh, match three one. Although that was at home to an NASL team. <laughs> oh, yeah, sometimes when you're having a rough season, like those things just sort of happen, and and you know the. It's hard to look too much into these uh, lower league matches uh, just because they, they're real wild cards for every MLS team when they run up against those. So it, it's a tricky situation, I guess. But, but it's nice to know other people are in the same boat every now and again. Yeah, I meant to look this up, but I didn't, uh, I didn't get a chance. Did Jason Kreiss come to... Salt Lake City with New York City FC the year that he was there? Yes, he did. Okay, so this will not be his first trip back to uh, to Real Salt Lake. No, this will be his second. I see. And uh, so, obviously, you had the coaching change there. Did, what did you think of the timing of that? And I mean, it seemed to me, like, a, as an outsider, uh, that, you know, this is something that was probably being considered earlier, so why not pull the trigger uh, in the off season, when you can uh, you can allow the coach to build his team a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, that's the question of the day, right? Um, or of the last three months for Real Salt Lake. So why not do this earlier? And is it worth doing it now? I, I do think it was worth doing it when we did. But at the same time, that timing was really really unusual. And I think you're right. We would have benefited from doing it earlier and giving Mike Pecky a chance to, to build his side. I think, I, I, I don't know if that's down to Deloitte Hansen and Craig Weibel, whether it's just one of them playing, you know, playing a role there. Uh, sometimes ownership gets a little maybe over-involved, and people like to think that Deloitte Hansen is unique that way. But I think we do see that in basically every sport and every franchise. Uh, sometimes you have owners that get involved and sometimes like every owner will sometimes i think get more involved than they need to uh unless say it's dan cranky at uh colorado rapids getting never being involved you know? <laughs> uh i uh i tried to look up uh, it's funny because I, I try to see as many mls games as i can but I, I will have to cop to not being able to see much of rsl this year and the one thing that is 
is just glaring when you look at the standings is the the minus 20 goal differential to me. That is, it, it just leaps right off the page. What is it about this year's team? I mean, obviously scoring goals is hard in, you know, basically any year, unless you've got like a David Villa. Um, what is it about the defense that has been so porous this year? So the funny thing about that number is I think at home we've been fairly average as far as MLS teams go. And maybe we've lost a couple that we should have won. And, and you know, there's some hard feelings around that. Uh, but we're, what we're looking with that negative 20, I think, is four or five really, really terrible away games. Uh, because when you lose by four goals, five goals in Houston and Dallas and every other place we've managed to do something awful like that, those, those really add up quickly. Um, so I, I try not to focus too much on that negative 20, mm-hmm. uh, just because we already know that those matches have been problems. Um, and I, I am hopeful and probably, like again, way too optimistic in saying that if the general tre- trend continues to be positive, we stop losing those terrible matches, uh, then I'm not going to worry too much because there's, there's no chance we recover 20 goals <laughs> over the season. Uh, even if we win every game, uh, you know, at best we'd end up with like what an equal dif- goal differential. Uh, it's it's not looking good for us in that regard. Yeah, but, if you got to even over the course of the second half of the season, you, that would be a pretty amazing second half of the season. Oh, that would be <laughs> unreal. Uh, that would probably be the best turnaround since what last year when Seattle did, did the same basic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what uh, one of the games I did see was the. Uh, you're probably not going to want to be reminded of this. Was the trip you guys had to Minnesota, <laughs> and uh, I just, I just don't know if that was those types of mistakes were, are representative of what the team has done this year. Because I mean, you had the the absolute howler by Ramondo. You had a defensive giveaway that was essentially uh, giving the other team a layup, and just really. Um, asleep at the switch type defending in that game. Yeah, I'd say for, for a pretty good stretch of games, that was typical of us. And that that's the thing that, that really has perplexed everybody is obviously under Jeff Kassar, we weren't great, uh, but we weren't that bad. Uh, Mike Pecky is clearly a better coach than those games show. So there are things and, and, you know, some people say it's locker room. Some people say it's ownership. Some people say it's down to just not having the right mix in the squad. Uh, you'll, you'll get all sorts of opinions on that. Um, but it, it's tough to reason out like why that happened. Uh, because they're, they're better players uh, than this, I think. <laughs> um, now, obviously, we went through some injury spells like most MLS teams will. Uh, there were a couple games where we weren't able to fill a bench. Um, not not great by any means. And we were down to our reserves on center backs. And, and sure, that's, that's not ideal. The issue, I think, is that when we've been playing with center backs that aren't reserves and, and you know, the, these players that you'd expect to do better, Nick Romando, for example, uh, you'd expect them to do better and they weren't. Um, so it felt like something was just really off. I do think that was typical for a period. 
and it's probably still typical of us on the road. Um, I think the last few games, uh, our loss in San Jose was not nearly that bad. Uh, our wins at home have seen us actually look pretty competent. Uh, so so I, it's hard to say whether that's typical at home or on the road, but I definitely lean toward that being something on the road that we just haven't dealt with properly. Now, what has Mike Petke done to the team since he's come in? Has he changed shape? Has he has he brought some personnel off the bench that were, you know, that maybe weren't getting uh, the minutes uh, under Casaro? And what what changes has he made? So under Casaro, uh, I don't think we saw quite enough time this season to really understand uh, where he was going with with what players he wanted to play and which he didn't. But what we have seen is Mike Petke being completely willing to change the formation before the game. Uh, and that's unusual for Real Salt Lake because under Jason Kreiss and under Jeff Kassar, we played typically one formation in the season. And under Jason Kreiss from 2008 to 2013, that was the diamond. Jeff Kassar continued that in 2014 and, and eventually went toward that 4-3-3 looking thing under Kassar and 15 and 16 that sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. Uh, so so that's the big difference for me is that Pecky will play a 4-1-4-1 and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't, uh, but he's doing something different. It'll, he'll play a 4-4-2 and he'll try a diamond-like thing and and he'll play a 4-3-3. And it's, it's unusual here. And I think we're still all trying to figure out exactly what that means for us as a club. And like how as fans we feel about that sort of thing. Yeah, the, the interesting thing to me is that Rio Tinto is a, is a tough place for anybody to play. Obviously, you get that, you know, the whole MLS thing where it's hard to win on the road anyway. But then you go to Rio Tinto, which has got a great atmosphere. You've got... Um, you know, we plan at a little bit of altitude. Uh, what are the kinds of unique challenges that visiting teams have when they when they come into Salt Lake City? Yeah, for a team that plays at sea level, uh, going up to, what, 45, 4,800 feet uh, does present a challenge uh, later in the game. Um, our fan base is, uh, is, is pretty raucous, uh, but it hasn't been quite the same in the last few matches. Uh, at home, and even though we're starting to win, there's there's still like visible anger pretty consistently. Um, if we get back to what we do, then then you, you combine the altitude and the fans, but it's also being proactive at home. And I, I know I keep referencing Jason Christ. I think maybe I'm just jealous that <laughs> he's in Orlando and not in Salt Lake, but uh, it, it's it's definitely about being proactive. I think Mike Pecky is of that mindset that he, he wants his teams to, to push and to play a high line and try to control the game. So I think that combined with altitude and things like that does make a difference. Well, playing a high line might, uh, might work out pretty well this week for rail salt Lake as uh, Carlos Rivas was injured at uh, Chicago the other day, and uh, uh, he got stomped on by Matt Lampson, and uh, there wasn't any foul or a yellow card for diving, so I'm not really sure what the <laughs> referee thought was happening on that play, but um, he's day-to-day. -day. I'm not sure he's going to make that team, and he's 
uh, or that game, and I, I think that he was a guy who, who likes to exploit that high line. But uh, Orlando may be getting Kyle Lahren back as he was cleared uh, by the MLS uh, just this morning. So uh, what do you see, Matt, as, as the key matchup of this Friday's game, and, and what do you think uh, is going to happen uh, when the two teams kick off? Uh, the, the key for us, and, and maybe it's not a matchup so much as, as a, one player for us that'll make a difference, and that's having Kyle Beckerman back, uh, who was suspended for uh, yellow card accumulation. Uh, so, so I think getting him back in there sets us up with a midfield that actually can function. And we've seen over and over that without him, our midfield just kind of falls apart. So the matchup, I guess, is whoever happens to be in the midfield, uh, whether that's Will Johnson and Louis Gill or, or who you know, who have you, uh, up against Kyle Beckerman will, will, I don't know, be interesting. But I'm going to say, like, I'm really excited to see some of these players back to see where they are in their careers. Yeah. Uh, because a player like Gill is, you know, could have been really exciting here. Yeah, I wanted to. I uh, was going to actually talk to you about uh, Gill a little bit, um, but it, first I, I want to ask you: Is it the least surprising thing about RSL this year that Kyle Beckerman got a yellow card suspension? Yeah, I, I was actually. <laughs> you know, I thought it might have happened sooner than the halfway point. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely not surprising. He always gets one of those a year. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Gil, I think you might be more excited about seeing him than, than many Orlando City fans. I don't think that uh, Orlando City fans have quite warmed up to Luis Gill yet. I think he's he's a player that has come into the league and not uh, – I don't think he's playing at, at his, uh, you know, the level he's capable of yet. And I think a lot of that is the fact that he wasn't getting, you know, consistent minutes in Liga MX. So it's, it's one of those cases where a guy comes in, he's new, he's got – you know, he's got kind of a, a an unusual haircut, and he's an easy target because he's not playing at the level that, that people would like to see him playing at. Uh, but what is it – what can you tell our fans about his qualities, you know, and, and the things that, that maybe they should be excited about? So let me say this. I'm excited to see Louis Skill, but I'm not particularly worried. And that's not because I've been watching with Orlando – but just knowing how he has played historically when he was with Real Salt Lake, he's not a player that will actively impress you week in, week out. Uh, he will have flashes of, of really great stuff. Um, and then he'll, he'll historically, he just kind of faded away uh, within a game. Mm-hmm. And maybe he'll step back up at some point and, and really get things going. But he, he was a confusing player here. And that's part of why I'm excited to see where he is now. Uh, is because it felt like he had a lot of untapped potential all the time. Uh, and just never was able to, to really free that up. So really, I, I think we also, like fans, would understand the frustration. Uh, understand the frustration uh, because for so long, and part of that is bringing a player in when he's 16 and, mm-hmm. and having that hype around him. Uh, but for so long, we were expecting something that never really came. We thought he'd be the Javier Morales replacement, but he never was. He turned into more, and ironically, uh, of a Will Johnson replacement. Um, just kind of a connective guy in the midfield mm-hmm. who would occasionally get forward and score a good goal. 
so it, it's I get it. Um, he is one of the more frustrating players I think Real Salt Lake has has had that's played regular minutes. I think people saw that you know the Liga MX thing and uh, the fact that he had his best season under in his last year with Jason Christ and they got a little bit of ex, uh, you know excited and and like you said I think he's shown some flashes. He definitely helped set up the tying goal at Seattle uh, last week. And uh, and then he just kind of, like you said, he kind of disappears in the game at times. You just don't notice that he's out there. But he seems to be working hard, but just doesn't seem to be accomplishing a whole lot. And uh, I just wonder how much of it is, you know, rust from not playing, how much of it is that he's still learning his teammates to some extent. Uh, I know that uh, Antonio Nocherino was a pretty um, popular punching bag for our fans when he came over from Italy and uh, was not in, in game fitness. And uh, now he's uh, kind of a, you know, one of the more respected guys on the team. So I didn't know if Lewis Gill was uh, one of the guys that was capable of becoming that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, on, on one hand, I hope he can. Uh, I just hope he doesn't find that potential on Friday. <laughs> well, if if Jason Christ goes with the first choice lineup, uh, Gill will be on the bench. Uh, you would likely see a midfield of Kaká, Will Johnson, Christian Aguida, and Antonio Nocherino. and that could be a a diamond, or he could uh, actually play Kaká up top again uh, with maybe Kyle Laren this time if Rivas can't play. Uh, Rivas and Kaká were the forwards at. Chicago, which uh, didn't actually work out all that well, uh, but uh, he's also played a lot of flat 4-4-2 this year and played Matias Perez Garcia uh, uh, on the right side, and uh, he's also played some uh, Giles Barnes at times as well. But I think we'll see the diamond, and I think we'll see Barnes up top with Laren, which isn't ideal because they're both sort of the same type of striker, and um, it, it's not a full, it's not a fully operational Orlando City at the moment uh, with. Uh, with Rivas out, and I'm just assuming that Laren will get enough training sessions in to be in the lineup, uh, but that's not a given by any stretch after he's uh, not been allowed to participate in any team activities for about the last uh, 12 days. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. But uh, looking forward to the matchup. I think it's uh, it's always um, there's a lot of intrigue in this one, even though the teams don't see each other very often because of the uh, the ties between, uh, you know, Jason Christ and Luis Gill and Will Johnson. And, um, you know, of course, um, the two teams have, have drawn the two times they've played so far. So uh, no one's yet gotten the upper hand. But I, I'm very, uh, very interested to see what happens on Friday. Yeah, you and me both. I <laughs> I hope you're enjoying being, for the time, uh, the new RSL East after New York City. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it started off very, very well for us, but uh, the last, uh, well, we didn't get our first win in May until the last game of May, and we don't have a win in June, uh, so this would be our last opportunity to do that. So uh, it has been a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, I think some, some teams have figured out what Jason Christ was doing, and that's kind of... Um, kind of hindered the team of late i also think carlos rivas has been sort of figured out by the the opposition to some extent and he's not running rampant like he was early in the season uh so he needs to take that next step as a player and develop and uh and and add things to his game and also i I think a lot of teams have figured out that if you crowd kyle laren and 
you know, there's not a whole lot of other players on Orlando City that are going to be dangerous in the box. Uh, so that's uh, that's also hindered Orlando City this year. It's weird because we scored the third most amount of goals in, in MLS last year, added you know pieces that should make the offense better, but we've scored far fewer goals this year. So um, it, it's it's been a kind of a strange up and down season. But uh, I think two teams that really need a win are going to play on Friday night, and um, you know I think if history has taught us anything, it's that it's going to be a draw. Yeah, I. I... <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Matt Montgomery, the uh, editor of RSL Soapbox. Thanks so much for being with us, and uh, we enjoy chatting with you as always. And um, we'll look forward to hearing from you again uh, down the road sometime. Okay, well, thanks for having me. All right, well, we're going to just about put a, uh, a big bow on this uh, 92nd edition of uh, the Mainland Podcast. I want to thank Matt Montgomery of RSL Soapbox for stopping by. It was good to talk to him. And, uh, you know, he he's a, he's a very passionate fan, but very soft-spoken. He's, a, he's, he's intelligent, and he knows a lot about soccer. He knows a lot, a lot about Real Salt Lake, and it was good to hear his thoughts on on uh, Luis Gill and, uh, you know, the return of Jason Christ and that kind of thing. It's, it's, I like that he's interested to see Will Johnson and, and Luis Gill uh, return to uh, Rio Tinto to play, and uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. So uh, we'll find out what happens on Friday night, Dave. Yeah, we will, and it's uh, it'll be nice to have a, a, a game where we've actually had you know a few days more rest than we have recently. So maybe that'll uh, bode well, especially since you know uh, Rio Tinto is a little bit uh, elevation uh, challenge for uh, those of us that live in the Sunshine State. Uh, quite a bit, quite a bit higher up there. Oxygen's not quite as uh, as much, and. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure that they're going to, you know, take that into account, you know, for the travel schedule and whatnot. But, uh, um, you know, with tired legs, if you've got, you know, not a lot of oxygen coming in, that can that can be a, that can be a challenge. Yeah. I, you know, I was, I was telling uh, Matt at Las, in Las Vegas, it's about I think it's about twenty nine hundred feet elevation. And uh, it, I was you know, I walked around the block and there's a lot of hills and stuff and I was pretty winded. Now, I'm not in great shape, so I could have got winded anyway, but. Uh, that's going from sea level to 2,900 feet. I can't imagine going to 4,000. That's uh, that's almost double. So uh, that's going to wear on their lungs, especially in the second half of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a question, Dave, in our uh, Ask the Mainland podcast. Uh, you can uh, do that. You can hit us up at uh, our Twitter feed, which is at the mainland, and uh, just use the uh, hashtag AskTMLPC. Uh, and we will answer any question you throw at us because uh, we are very knowledgeable about all topics, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Tanner Rosalino wanted to know our feelings on Kyle Lahren's DUI. I think we kind of covered this already, but just to Tanner, thanks for the question. We definitely want to uh, uh, acknowledge your question and, and just, uh, you know, not uh, give you short shrift because we talked about it earlier. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, again, uh, a mistake by a young person that's been, you know, the same mistake that's been made by by young people all over not only this country, but countries all over the world uh, mm-hmm. and not just young people. I mean, it's, uh, you know, older people who should know better, uh, you know, and who, who don't think they're indestructible and, and immortal like, uh, you know, the young tend to, to think uh, have done this many, many times. And and I have actual friends who have gotten multiple 
uh, DUI arrests, and then and it's it's inexplicable. But you know, you don't stop liking the person because they did something stupid or something, uh, you know, made a bad choice. You you have to support them. You have to, you know, hope they correct their behavior and, and learn from what they've done. And and uh, you know, some you know most do, some few don't. You know, and so, some people just uh, uh, don't really think all that much sometimes when they when they are out having a good time and and that's it's a shame but i mean that is a side effect of going out and having a good time yeah and like we said um he's gonna he's gonna have to go through the or he's going through the mls program he's gonna have to go through you know uh, state of florida or whatever they want to do uh to him and so uh he he's going to be paying for this have you know no doubt uh, those who are not happy about it and that's uh ultimately at the end of the day i think it'll be something that he'll he will he'll take he'll learn from and uh, as i said earlier i think he'll become i think he'll use it to become a, a better person a better man and a better player yeah and, and in fact we can't discount the fact there's probably going to be some internal things that we never hear about that uh you know, teams have fines and things like that for this type of mm-hmm. behavior. So, uh, you know, different coaches and different GMs and different organizations have different ways of dealing with this kind of stuff. And sometimes it's very hush-hush and under the under the radar. But, uh, yeah, it will be addressed in, in on many levels, uh, Tanner. So, um, you know, if Kyle never does this again, then, then I guess he's learned from it and, and we all move on. Thank God nobody was hurt and uh, thank God nobody was killed and and no property was really damaged or anything like that. So, uh, you know, we all dodged a bullet, I think. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully uh, we can all put this behind us and, and never speak of it again because he's uh, hopefully going to turn everything around. Absolutely. All right, Dave. So we're not getting out of here. Uh, by the way, you can not only uh, send us a question at uh, Twitter with the hashtag AskTMLPC, you can also uh, email your uh, questions to us at uh, themainland at gmail.com. So uh, please uh, hit us up with whatever you want to know about. I mean, where's, you know, who has the best pizza in Tallahassee? Dave could probably tell you that. And, I can uh, tell you that, but I'm not like going to tell you that unless you ask. That's right. You have to ask. You, 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 you know, where should you go on your honeymoon? That We can handle that. We can, we can tell you exactly what to do. Um, <laughs> you know, we're not just soccer experts here. At <laughs> well, the we're experts in everything. That's right. We know, we know it all. <laughs> Uh, so Dave, before we get out of here, we obviously have got to talk a little bit about Real Salt Lake and, um, you know, this is a team I, I haven't seen them much this year. I've seen them uh, a couple of times and I don't even think full games either time, but, uh, uh you know, they're going to be the, the way they always are at home. Very difficult to, to break down, very gritty. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to be civ like, like they have been on the road, uh, defensively. You're, you're going to probably, um, see Nick Ramondo stop a shot that uh, you'd think he has no business stopping at some point. Uh, what mm-hmm. is your key matchup for the game, and what do you expect as a final score? Um, so my key matchup for the game is going to be um, the the top part of the the diamond, and and how if if they can you know break through, get some balls in for uh, the strikers to to have some opportunities. Um, I, I, I you know. Kyle Beckerman's going to be back, and um, you know I don't feel I, I feel that our, our our defense is going to you know step back up to the plate, having you know had a little bit of a rest, and I feel good, of course, with uh, Johnson on the you know the, the back end of the diamond. So I think it's really going to um, it's going to depend on who who's up top. Is it um, 
you know, uh, MPG? Is it Kaka? Who, who up there is going to is going to make those opportunities to allow um, a a newly back Kyle Aaron to uh, hopefully get a goal? So that's my my key matchup. I think that um, I think that it's going to end up being a draw. I think Orlando City gets a goal early. Um, probably from Laren just because he's going to want it so bad. And then they'll end up um, later in the, in the second half uh, giving up the equalizer just as, as the, uh, you know, being on the road again and being tired and being at elevation, you know, takes its toll later in the game. Yeah. I think for me, the key matchup is the, the two most dynamic attacking players on the field for Orlando city, which would be uh, Laren, assuming he, he plays and Kaká. Can they bounce back? Kaká from a, a pretty poor performance uh, at Chicago and Laren from, you know, his, his suspension. I mean, if those two guys uh, can bounce back and, and be, you know, play very determined soccer and, and, you know, bring a high energy level and, and just refuse to get stopped like they, you know, we've seen at times from them. I think that's the key to the game for me is like those two have to be the guys that, that lead the line and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, beat their man. And I, whether that's, whether that's Kaká getting past Beckerman and, and forcing the, you know, one of Beckerman's patented, uh, studs up challenges or, <laughs> uh, or if it's uh, Laren, you know, just uh, going over top of a, of a center back on a cross, a nice cross from, uh, from Sutter or, uh, or Toya, you know, whatever the case may be. I think those are my, my, that's what I'm looking for in this game. I, I kind of think also, like I said, some teams you just tend to draw against. I mean, you tend to draw against yeah. San Jose. You tend to draw against RSL. I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Okay, there you have it. Yep. So there we go. So we'll see. Uh, it, would be, it, it would be unfortunate because it would mean a, a June without a victory. But, uh, yeah. you know, a, a point from the road is nothing to sneeze at, particularly with Orlando City's uh, road record this year. So, And uh, a 2-2 draw on the road, even against a, an RSL team that has struggled this year, is better than a 4-0 loss. Well, and we were both wrong on that 4-0 loss. So. Oh, yes, we were. <laughs> so maybe we're wrong this time, and, and Orlando City gets the win. That would be a very nice, very nice thing. And they should do it. They should do it for Jason Kreiss, who used to coach there. So that would be good. Uh, so that will just about wrap up episode number 92 of the Mainland Podcast. Definitely want to thank Matt Montgomery of RSL Soapbox again for being with us. Uh, very knowledgeable guy. I think it was his third time on the, on our show. He usually is on in July. He was on in July of 2015 to uh, to preview the, the first meeting between the two teams. He came on again last July to talk about Jason Kreis uh, as we had uh, uh, both Matt and we had uh, Roth from New York City. Uh, blog to to give us the lowdown on Jason Christ from the the perspectives of of his two previous teams and now Matt came back for this so that's great it was it's always nice to talk to Matt I always enjoy those conversations and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to him again in the future uh, please uh, read our stuff at themainland.com we definitely enjoy getting your comments uh, to the stories you can put, leave your comments and, and feedback on the bottom of any story you read on the site. Uh, it's one of the great things about SB Nation's blogs. Uh, please, uh, if you you know, go to iTunes and uh, please give us a rating and, and let, let us know how we're doing because uh, that uh, could potentially move us up in the rankings and, and uh, expose our uh, show to other people and uh, give us more listeners. And that'd be really awesome for us and, 
and it's been growing and growing since we started this thing and and we would like to see that continue uh please uh you know follow us on twitter at the mainland like us on facebook uh facebook.com slash the mainland and uh that's that's basically all the ways you can consume our product <laughs> and uh <laughs> we is one thing that we like is our product to be consumed uh, here at the mainland but uh, uh that'll do it for episode 92 on behalf of Tallahassee Dave Rowe. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the mainland.com, signing off by saying, Go City!